All right, welcome to the Ultimate Pocket Therapist. We are a mother and daughter team of Shanette and Brooke. Uh, we want to educate and enlighten others on mental health issues. So this is pretty exciting. This is our first podcast. This is very exciting. Yes. We've this... talked about it for a while and now we're doing it. Yep. Yep. So this will either be very good or go very poorly, but. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be great. Yeah. People we're good love at whatever it. we do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you think we ought to tell these people who we are and kind of a little bit of background? Probably. Mostly for you because you're the qualified one. Yeah. And I'm just invited along because I know how to turn things on and oh. <laughs> deal with the technology. Oh, that guy turned on. Okay. <laughs> just, I, never mind. <laughs> we'll get into that in another episode. <laughs> turn technology on yes. and upload things. Yeah, okay. I'm too old for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I am Brooke. I am 31 years old. I am a wife. And I am a mom of four. Um, ages of my kids, we have a blended four, but I have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, a seven or a nine-year-old, and almost a seven-year-old. Yep, that's yep. all of them. Yep, that is. I covered. Um, yeah, and I have I have some some pets too. They're kind of like my kids, but mm-hmm. yeah, my real kids are a little less hairy. Right, mm, kind of, and not as neurotic. Not quite as neurotic. You're right. Yep. Yep. So I am not a therapist. I have zero qualifications in therapy aside from being raised by a therapist and hearing all the lingo my entire life. Um, but I have a BFA, so a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Visual Communications, and I have a master's degree in Management and Leadership. I have been working with and for the government for the past eight years. Um, I've born and raised and stayed in Utah. Not really very adventurous on my living situations. <laughs> I like it here and I'm going to stay here. Um, yeah, we, as a family, we hunt, fish, we camp, lots of outdoorsness. Uh, my little boys play football, so that's a whole new realm that we're embarking in is the busy football mom stage of my life. Um, but yeah, that kind of covers me. I'm sure you guys will get to know us a little bit better as the podcast goes on. But here is Mom. Tell them a little bit about yourself. That's right. Mom. Mom. I'm Shan Amp. I am a psychotherapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Utah. I've actually been in private practice. I don't even know if I want to say how many years. It'll, like. Like no. before dirt, dirt. was made? That's what you say. Yeah, it yeah. was like before dirt Pretty was actually much, invented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just say like close to 40 years. Close? Yeah. Close, close. to 40 Yeah, okay. that just aged me. Yep. So I've been married to my husband, Paul, for about 42 years. We have two children. One you just met, Brooke. She the, is my youngest daughter. The and best one. The best one. The best of course. child, not daughter, child. Okay. okay. And then I have a son, Jolan. And he is married to a wonderful gal, Jessica. And we we still claim Joe. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> like horses, but that's okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, most of my career, I have been actually in private practice doing a wide range of things. I also do equine-assisted psychotherapy because I'm an addict to horses. And that's part of my... <clears throat> way to get out of the office and spend time with my horses. So what we are going to work on here, we're not working on, it's not a therapy session. (laughs) It's a podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> Slight disclaimer. This is not a therapy, therapy session, session. Though Shanette is going to constantly call it a therapy session. Well, so yeah. just, you got to have to just put that distinction in your, in your yeah. brain. <laughs> well, you know, we'll get there. So actually Brooke and I talked a lot about how we were going to start, what topics to start about, because we want to do something kind of fun, but we realize there's not a lot of fun topics with mental health. But so we're going to work on, um, or start with, <laughs> anyway, we're going to start with, um, a topic of depression, but I think it's real important in the beginning to realize that this is a podcast. This is not in any way, shape or form supposed to substitute as an actual therapy session. If you need therapy, I would recommend local resources, getting a therapist in your area. This is meant just for information and fun. So we're going to start on a, on a topic. And the reason we picked this one is it's really close to home. But also, it is probably what I see most of in my therapy is working with people with depression. Mm-hmm. And so what we know is there's lots of kinds of depression. There's major depression, bipolar, there's, you know, dysthymia. One of the ones that I see most of is the dysthymia. So... You're kind of an expert on dyslimia, Brooke. <laughs> I have been around the block of dyslimia <laughs> for most of my life. Well, um, it's if it's genetic. It can be genetic. For me, it's genetic. Um, and on her father's side, on family. my father's side, yeah. yeah. All the yeah. all the real treats of genetics come from my father. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my side's fine. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm totally fine. Yep, that's another episode, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so I have been diagnosed with dysthymia, mild depression since I was about 16 ish. Mm-hmm. And, um, my mother here, my mom and or therapist, she's kind of been, uh, I've had dual roles from her in my life for my <laughs> entire upbringing, but she, um, about the time, yeah, I said 16, she finally sat me down and was like, you know, there's what really started. I mean, I was just, Oh, you were a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just a, yeah, you were more than just that typical teenager. I was just being a bitch. Snarky, mean. Yeah. Unmotivated, Mm -hmm. mean, nothing was right. I was constantly a victim to everything. Nobody was nice. Mm -hmm. It just got to a point where again, more than the average teenager was, it was, yeah, it was yeah. on amplified, I guess. So, um, I ended up getting on Selexa. That was my first. I've been on lots of different ones. I'm currently on Prozac. Really like Prozac. And for a teenager, I really liked uh, Selexa. It was very mild. Um, but it was a vast difference. I mean, it was almost oh, yeah. instantaneous. Night and for day. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we could almost live with you again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was mm-hmm. almost livable. Yeah, yeah my father did not want to uh, kill me nearly as much, I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, you know, and just all aspects. I found that it helped with um, motivation, um, patience. Yeah. Yeah, so I grew Irritability up. Irritability was oh, way yes. better. Irritability yeah. and just, yeah, no, not everyone was out to get me. 
even just riding the horses. I mean, anyone who's been around horses, they are 1,200 pound toddlers and they can be extremely frustrating. And before I got on my Selexa, it was, I would just lose it so much always the horse's fault yeah it was always yeah it was they are not listening they are this they are that and being able to have some medication and level my moods out it it made my relationship with the horses a lot better Mm -hmm. and um you know being a 16 year old that's you know there's not a whole I didn't have kids that were suffering but you know horses were my life and friends were my life and it definitely helped a lot. And I've been, I've been on medication on and off. Um, my entire adult life, like I said, I'm currently on Prozac and I love it. I just take it every night and that's just how I regulate my life. And I've found the hard way that being off of it, it, I just, I do not regulate my own depression, serotonin. We'll get into that, but I don't regulate it on my own. And so I'm going to always have to be on a medication to keep everything balanced. Um, but the few times that I was not on it, um, two times were for my pregnancies. I have two biological boys. And um, at that time, it was not advised to take an antidepressant while being pregnant. There's now different studies. Right. And there's safe ones. There's they, many on the market that are safe for pregnancy Yeah, they've now. done a lot more research yep. on that, which is great because I'll tell you what, being pregnant and having to get off your antidepressant was, was... Not easy. No, it wasn't. It was so hard, and I do not recommend it for anyone, especially, I mean, everyone knows majority of people who are pregnant are emotionally... <laughs> unstable, I guess you could say, you know, don't come after me, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a funny story about one time I, I came off of my antidepressant. Oh, were we going to talk about, um, <laughs> Dr. Bob? Yes. We're not going to say names here because everybody's named Bob. Everyone's in our Bob, stories. but there's Bob's. There's probably a few Karen's just because Karen is the best name in the world right now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, but this one's about Bob. Yeah, Bob. Dr. Bob. A boyfriend at the time had convinced me that because I was so happy with him and he made me the happiest I had ever been that I did not know. I no longer needed to take my happy pills. And if you hear a little uh, commotion in the background, that's the dogs at my mother's house and they are barking, barking at probably nothing, but there's five of them here currently at this moment. And So just try to ignore that if you can even hear it. Um, But anyways, yes. So Bob had convinced me that I no longer need any happy pills because he was what made me happy. And I was, like I said, I was 18. Mm -hmm. You were at actually the Utah State Rodeo Finals in Heber City, Utah. Yes. And became very dizzy, could hardly stay on her horse. And finally I said, Brooke, why are you so dizzy? What's Mm -hmm. going on? And she finally came clean and said that not only had she gone off her medication at the recommendation of Dr. Bob, but she had not even brought her medication with us to state finals. So I got in the car, drove a couple hours back home Mm -hmm. to get said medication. When I returned to the rodeo grounds, um, Dr. Bob and I had a little come-to-Jesus meeting about him uh, probably not practicing medicine without a license, and if so, what the consequences could be, not just for me, (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's a good point. If you do take an antidepressant, you do not stop at cold turkey. Yes. Yeah. And just because you might be happy with a boyfriend and in a honeymoon phase does not mean your chemical imbalance is cured. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get more into medication too as we go. That's something yeah. we're going to cover. That's my little background. Yeah. I have been and always will be. I am just kind yeah. of a chronic, mm-hmm. mild depression type of person. Yeah, then yep. that's just I, my life I have to accept us. <laughs> so let's talk about what dysthymia is. So it's kind of an interesting name. Most people haven't heard it. It's a form of depression. It's mild to moderate depression. And it is sneaky. We end up dealing with dysthymia for what they say an average of four years before people actually get help from it because we just get used to feeling that way. And in therapy sessions, I call it the as soon as disease because everyone thinks, well, as soon as I get caught up financially, I'll feel better. As soon as the kids are in school, I'll feel better. As soon as the kids are out of school, I'll feel better. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as. And then after a period of time, we realize we just aren't firing right. We are just off. So dyslimia is this mild to moderate depression that we get used to feeling that way. We still get up, we still make it to work, we still make it to school, but it is just a struggle. And we also realize that there's just not a lot of joy in life. We have, you know, low motivation, low energy, everything seems to be a chore. Things we used to love to do, we don't do them anymore. And it's interesting that dyslimia is actually diagnosed twice as much in women as in men. And there's some ideas about this. One of them is hormonal mm-hmm. fluctuation with women. Yeah. And the other one is men are just more resistant to the idea of depression or the idea of taking a medication. They don't need that. Just ask them. They're yeah. men. They're yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. No. They're, they're the just power through, get over it. Emotions don't really exist. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So one of the things that we know is also any kind of depression, especially dyslimia, looks different at different ages. So we're going to kind of cover the adult part today. I think we're going to do a whole nother episode. We've kind of got it outlined on down the line with um, depression in, in children and teenagers. Mm-hmm. But with people as they age, it actually depression can take on some more kind of like um, physical things pain, you know, uh, stomach issues, heart issues. A lot of times it is not diagnosed because the doctors are treating the other physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. But what we need to know is that depression is a physical problem. And this is where most people get confused. What do you think of when you think of depression? You've grown up with therapists going, it's a physical problem. But generally, what do you think most people think of with depression? Well, just get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know. Set some goals. Yeah. If you just thought positively, Mm -hmm. you know, or you just change the way you look at things just Mm -hmm. and get over it. Right. You know, that's the common. You don't have to be depressed. Yeah. And you don't need to be on a happy pill. Yeah. And stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. That is a huge. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thankfully, like you said, I grew up being properly educated on it. And so, but with that, I've become more aware of how many Other more people, people look at it. Yeah, yeah it definitely oh, yeah. has a, a stigma mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Just get over it. You bet. Mm-hmm. Stop 
Yeah, I see that a lot. I see that a lot in counseling. I'll tell people, you know, I just really kind of want to go over this checklist for depression. It's like, oh, I'm not depressed at all. And we don't really know what a lot of the symptoms, because they're, they're kind of what we just get used to feeling. Right. You know, in fact, maybe this would be a good time to um, go over some of the diagnostic criteria. Oh, yeah. I think it's very surprising. I think most people, um, when you actually hear the criteria and actually how many you truly need in order to be diagnosed, it's very eye-opening, I think. And actually, like I said earlier, I think the majority of people I see, even if they're coming in for other things, have an underlying depression. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's more common than we realize. Yeah. So dysthymia, how we diagnose anything is out of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. The current one we're using is the DSM-5. In the DSM-5, there are six diagnostic criteria. You need two or more of these criteria. And remember, this is long-term. This isn't major depression that comes on quick following a traumatic event, a death, loss of jobs, something horrific. Dyslimia is sneaky. It goes on for years. So basically, you need to have had these symptoms if you're an adult for two or more years in children, teenagers, about a year. Okay. So our six symptoms that we're looking at, I mean, <clears throat> criteria we're looking at is poor, poor appetite and overeating. Yeah. Okay insomnia or hypersomnia, low energy or fatigue, low self-esteem, poor concentration or difficulty making decisions, and feelings of hopelessness. And that is the the current one. However, because I'm so old, as Brooke mentioned earlier. Dirt. Dirt. Invented dirt when you were a child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I suppose you remember when you were little asking Mm me, Mom? When in the olden days, when you were a little girl, did they have water? <laughs> Remember that, Brooke? No. No, of course you don't. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> back to uh, diagnostic criteria. So years ago, out of one of the former DSM manuals, they actually had 13 criteria for dysthymia. And I still go over these with my clients because I think it gives us a little bit broader idea. And there's a few more that if I were writing the manual, I would add. But the 13, I think, are important to kind of go over because I think a lot of people relate to these. Number one is insomnia, hypersomnia. Number two, low energy level, chronic tiredness. Three, feelings of inadequacy, loss of self-esteem. Four, decreased effectiveness or productivity at school, work, or home. Five, Decreased attention, concentration, or ability to think clearly. Six, social withdrawal. Seven, loss of interest in or enjoyment of pleasurable activities. Eight, irritability or excessive anger in children expressed towards parents or caretakers. Humbrook. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Nine, inability to respond with apparent pleasure to praise or rewards. Ten, less active or talkative than usual or feel slow down or restless. Eleven, Pessimistic attitude towards the future, brooding about past events or feeling sorry for self. 12, tearfulness and crying. 13, reoccurrent thoughts of death or suicide. Um, At this stage of depression, we're not usually suicidal. Don't have a plan, not going to do it, but we just think about suicide or we think about 
how it'd be easier if I weren't here or I'm a burden and nobody likes me, but we really don't have a plan. That comes a lot more with our major depression. Yeah. Yep. So out of those 13, it's interesting to note that you only needed three. Wow. Yeah. So that's back to an older version of the DSM, what we look at. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about treatments. What do you think? What's well, the best way to treat dyslamia? Well, I would say an antidepressant. Yep. And just because, you know, I have a therapist in the room, I'm guessing some therapy. Probably. Oh. I, I would guess that'd be a good yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I had sure. a hunch. A hunch. That a hunch therapy. that maybe therapy would be beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though I personally don't believe in therapy. Just like, why? It's just hocus pocus. I mean, and you're just talking to somebody. <laughs> why, why, what good would that do? <laughs> Actually, do you know how many husbands uh-huh. of women I, grew up I hearing see? This. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, you know, you don't need therapy. You yeah. know, I, just quacks. Yeah, just Some quacks. quacks. Yes. Yeah, just quacks. Yes. They don't know what they're talking about. But no, therapy does help even with the quacks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's actually with mild, with any therapy, but with mild therapy, I mean, mild depression, <laughs> the best combination is like maybe an antidepressant mixed with therapy. But it's also good to note that not everybody needs an antidepressant. And also, if you do decide to take an antidepressant, you don't have to be on it forever. You know, recommended time frame is nine to 12 months. Some people cannot keep chemical imbalances in sync. We'll talk about that in a minute, mm-hmm. but they might need to be on one the rest of their lives. But most people, if they want to work on dealing with it, also do th- other things such as changing behaviors around healthy behaviors, exercise, the horrible word diet. Mm. Yeah. In- yeah. Change that around a little bit, increase sunlight, also increase social interaction yeah. can also help. And I think if you come to therapy, one of the biggest benefits of therapy is learning how to deal with things differently. Because if we don't make any changes in our life and we go off our antidepressant, what's going to come right back? Mm-hmm. The depression. Yeah. yeah. You didn't fix anything. You didn't, yeah. yeah. You didn't make any changes. Yeah. And one of the most popular types of therapy we use with depression is cognitive behavioral, which is the CBT. And that's really where we target thinking errors, changing negative thoughts into positive thoughts, looking at negative core beliefs, also even dealing with past issues that can cause depression, childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Habits. Habits, yeah. Healthy habits. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a trick to medication. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably I'd talk about it. Yeah. So... What we know about depression is it is a chemical imbalance in the synapse of the brain. And in our synapse, did I say that right? Synapse. 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 We're from Utah. I don't think we ever say anything quite right. I'm not even a doctor. No. Look at all these big words. I know. Yeah. Yeah, Don't ask us. Yeah, I don't know. We have different neurotransmitters that go back and forth. And there's actually um, a handout will eventually get uploaded. Yeah. I'm hoping by the time this launches that we have our Instagram, Facebook, and our blog up. Up and, and going. And we can, can come and have some visuals. But yep. Look in the show notes. If there is a link. We got it. Then we got it and go look there. But 
we have neurotransmitters in the synapse of the brain. And they have to go back and forth evenly between receivers and receptors. So if it is the serotonin in the synapse of the brain is flowing well, we're pretty good. However, if we have an abundance of receivers, not enough receptors, and these neurotransmitters piggyback on top of each other, we get symptoms of depression. Why this is important is because then depression can be looked at as a physical problem and not an emotional issue. Oh, so you can't just get over it. No. Mm. Back to the old um, wake up in the morning, be positive, and set some goals and stop feeling sorry for yourself. Nope. Oh, those are always great to do. Yeah. But it's not going to cure your... Yeah. You're still going to be depressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sometimes actually makes it worse because people think, why can't I get over it? Right. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Why can't I feel better? Mm-hmm. So I think it's real important to realize that, you know, medication can help. And the problem with medication is matching an antidepressant up to your own body type because we have all kinds of antidepressants on the market. And a lot of them are SSRIs, which is the serotonin reuptake. But what we look at is not every antidepressant is going to work for every person. So the problem is we often go to a doctor, they prescribe an antidepressant, doesn't work. And then you go, well, I tried it. So I'm not depressed because I tried an antidepressant or I'm not going to try another one. And they say that actually statistically only about 35% get it the first time. Mm -hmm. But the last couple of years, I have been sending clients to general practitioners in the area that are using DNA tests. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So then our DNA tests come back, which is kind of a new technology. They didn't have this like when dirt was invented yeah or water back back when dirt and water no we Mm -hmm. didn't have this in the dark ages but now we can kind of pinpoint what actual medications and we have a better chance of of getting a medication that will work that is so cool it's just cool that dna i mean even just like we think of dna as solving crimes and you know going clear back into these you know cold cases and solving them but just to help you in this current day and age that's amazing yep that's so cool yeah it's been really really helpful you know dealing with people who are a little reluctant Mm -hmm. it's like sending them to a doctor so it's also something to realize you don't have to go to a psychiatrist to get a antidepressant your general practitioner especially if they're knowledgeable with depression they do a good job Mm -hmm. yeah if you go to your uh primary care general practitioner and you're telling them how you feel and they're just not willing to listen don't give up there i've heard so many people you know well my my doctor just you know says oh no don't worry about it you know or just go outside more and they kind of just poo poo it off and if don't be afraid to go to a different doctor Mm -hmm. and you know to get it figured out because if you know your body if you feel like you need help get get some help you don't have to feel Exactly. You don't have to feel just down. And just because you're not stuck in bed all day long, refusing to shower, refusing to be a human, doesn't mean you're not depressed. Right. You know, that's a major depression. Mm -hmm. That's what people, I feel like, finally accept that there's a problem. But, you know, you don't have to wait to that point. Yep. And that's, that's real important to bring up because the type of depression we're talking about, 
100% curable, mm-hmm. not just treatable. We have some kind of depressions that we cannot cure. Bipolar mm-hmm. is one. Bipolar, we can treat. We can't cure it, but we can treat it. Okay. But the other kinds of depression, we can get rid of. You do not have to feel this way. Yeah. Yep. There is help. Yes. And I would really recommend getting um, into a therapist. If any of this stuff kind of fits, I would recommend, of course, I'm a therapist. <laughs> I, I'm she, kind of biased. She, in fact, yeah. you should come and see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of basically just scratching the surface mm-hmm. on dysthymia. And why we started with dysthymia is because we realized that it there are so many layers to depression mm-hmm. that we are just going to try and touch on. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it's different for children. It's different in women. It's different in men. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's no concrete, this is how you feel or how it goes. Right. And yeah, it's like, like you were saying before, it's an onion. You got to peel all the layers to figure it all out. <laughs> so... Anyway, what we are going to do now is we are just sort of going to wrap this up and talk about episode number two, which we will be putting out next week. And what we're going to look at in episode number two is kind of more specific treatments for depression. Mm-hmm. More know? on the therapy mm-hmm. end of it too. Yep. When, yep. Yeah. It's kind of looking at what works, what doesn't work, what's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it'd be great to touch on too, like if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, my spouse is Mm -hmm. hitting all these marks, what do I do? Mm -hmm. How can I be on the receiving end and get someone else help who might be reluctant? That might be a a nice thing to touch on because I know a lot of people hit that. Yep. Yeah. Finding help for others, someone else. Mm -hmm. Or kids. Oh, kids. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I can get into that. Yeah. Having four of them and... Two with ADHD and depression and ADHD come hand in hand. That's a whole nother topic for a later date. But yes, that is definitely an important one to hit as a parent. Yep. So what we want to actually just leave on a note is if any of this kind of touched home, do not hesitate to go see a therapist. Remember, going to therapy is not scary at all. Well, no. my, my mother's a little scary, but I think that's could maybe be. just because she's my mom. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Little and fierce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no one's ever really been harmed. Not really. No. Not anyone that, no one's admitted to it. No. And no. there's been no active investigation. No, no. <laughs> All's good. <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up for today. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoy this podcast, please follow, download, subscribe, share, whatever the platform you are listening on allows and we will catch you next time.